coming up on this episode of the MD and Chef Team Show. How we react to the sound of a crisp of chips and how we react to the smell, the taste, the sight, the seeing of all these things. Why do you think it's so hard to eat one chip, one cookie? Because they figured out how to excite our senses to the brain. We go, oh, nah, just one more. I got to have another. Welcome to the show from the The MD MD and Chef Chef Team. Team. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here at the MD and Chef Team. And who are you? And I'm Chef Michael, culinary nutrition expert. I'm the chef part of the team. And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. (laughs) Yes. Well, then (laughs) we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression, anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes, I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. We We like like to have have fun, fun too. (laughs) So let's Let's get get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the MD and Chef Team show today. This is Chef Michael here coming to you wherever you are, wherever you're listening. You could be walking, you could be in the gym, you might be at home, but wherever you are, I am so glad you're here today because today I want to have a chat about how did we get here? How did we get to the state of health we're in around the world right now? What history over the last 100 years, 150 years have brought us to this state. And the other thing I want to chat about is, well, it's not your fault. If you are struggling to get your health under control, if you're struggling with habits that you know aren't healthy, but you're trying to change them and you you make some changes for a little bit and then you fall back into them again, I want you to know you're not lazy. There's a concept out there that, oh, people who are unhealthy, they're just lazy. They don't have any discipline. Well, yeah, that's not totally true. Because as I talk to you about what's happened over the last 150 years with us as a society, with our eating and drinking, you've pretty much been tricked. You've been tricked. You've been used. And here we are today. And I want to let you know it's not your fault. And so today we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. Let's just have a chat. You and me, you're a friend of mine who just says, you know, I'm at a state right now. I can't understand how we've gotten to this, how I've gotten to this state. And I want to make some changes, but I'm really kind of struggling. How did we get here? So let's just have a chat about that. I want you to know it's not your fault. How do we get here? And and what do I mean by how did we get here? Well, by here, I mean currently, right now, in the year that we're in, mental health is at an all-time high as far as mental illness is, shall I say. Mental illness is at an all-time high. Anxiety, depression, overwhelm. We've got obesity epidemics. We've got diabetes epidemics. We've got Alzheimer's and dementia skyrocketing like we've never seen before. We've got general unwellness and all kinds of diseases and inflammation and 
aches and pains just like we've never seen before in history. And here we are in this amazing time, but yet our overall health has really been sliding for so, so many years. And as my beautiful wife, Dr. Isabel MD, would tell you, healthcare doesn't really start in the doctor's office. Because please understand where we've gone to today and the traditional medicine, the old-fashioned medicine is you had go in, you have a bunch of symptoms, you've got things going on, and in a 10-minute, maybe 15-minute max appointment consultation, you want to get fixed, right? And we're in a society now that we feel like, oh, okay, I've shown up, I got all this going on, and in 15 minutes, why can't I be fixed? I'm not fixed. I don't have the results right away. Just understand that right now, the old-fashioned traditional healthcare system is fantastic for acute healthcare, meaning you go with a broken bone. Yeah, you want to see somebody that can get that fixed. You got a major laceration or a cut or something where you got to have 25 stitches. Yeah, you want to have that person be able to, you know, you're not saying, hey, Chef Michael, can you sew me up with 25 stitches and heal this? No, that's not my thing. And so, however, when we're talking about lifestyle medicine, we're talking about what has brought you to the state of general unwellness We've got to get upstream. We've got to really find out what's brought you to this. And so what I want to chat about is what's brought us to this as a society. Because what has happened is a concept called the slight edge. And this is where we haven't gotten here in one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. We've gotten here in 150 years as we chat about this history. It's been year upon year decade upon decade, our health has been slowly declining as a society. Yes, medicine has been able to keep us alive longer, but not from what I see, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't, and let me know in the comments if you don't. From what I see, yeah, we're alive longer, but we're not alive healthy. Our Long-term health is, yep, we're alive, but the quality of life, certain point just drops off. As an example, Isabel and I work with people who are preventing and reversing Alzheimer's. And what we know is that, you know, people start to get to a point where they don't have any quality of life left. They don't recognize anybody. They might be lashing out. They could be problems. They've got to kind of be monitored in some kind of a dementia or Alzheimer's ward. And they can be alive for five years, possibly seven years in that state. Yet the loved one isn't even recognized. So there's no quality of life, but yet they can be kept alive. And so what I'm saying is, that's not really what we're looking for. That's not what I'm talking about in long-term health. What I find so interesting is, uh, and you probably heard this before, but Isabel and I, we always talk to people about, oh yeah, we're training for a hundred. And they all, training for, what are you talking about? Like a hundred kilometer run or a hundred mile run or a hundred mile bike ride or what? No, for we're training for a hundred years young and healthy. We want to be to go to a hundred years young and healthy and beyond. Why not 105? Why not 110? Because we can if we take care of ourselves properly. But I can guarantee a nine out of 10 people 
And this always surprises me. But when I say that to nine out of 10 people, they look and like, oh, I would never want to live to be 100. Oh, I, oh, no, I don't want to live that old. And it's like, well, why not? Why wouldn't you? You know, you're here. Why wouldn't you? But the concept is they're thinking like, oh, well, I know once I get to a certain age, I'm just, it's going to be ugly. So basically, they people are understanding that that quality of life generally in society is very poor toward the end. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a high quality, optimal health, vibrant life until your last breath, where you know, you're doing all the things you would do in life, including what Isabel and I would call the wild thing. You know, we see ourselves as a married now and been together 43 years that, you know, hey, we've got another 40 years to 100. Well, a little less than that, but, you know, 80 some years together and we're still doing it, shall I say. <laughs> so why not? Why not? It's exciting. So, hey, let's get back into the history. How did we get here? The interesting thing when we look at the history of eating and drinking is that up until the 1940s, basically, I'm, I'm kind of using the USA as a model because everything they did back in the early 1900s kind of went off into the rest of the world, usually maybe a few years after or maybe a decade after. But up until the 1940s, late 1800s and 1940s, an item like cereal, breakfast cereal, there was no added sugar. There was none. I mean, what we know of today with this added sugar stuff, that didn't exist. There were cereals, but it was in the 1940s that the first person or the first company, General Foods, started putting in sweeteners. Well, actually, it was General Mills and Post Foods in the late 1940s started putting sugar into cereals. And at that point, now, all of a sudden, they are controlling how much sugar is in your food, not you, because they're adding it in. Before, somewhere in the 1940s, sugar wasn't added into food. If you wanted something sweeter, you added it in. But now all of a sudden, and it was pretty much mid to late 1940s, they started adding sugar into food. And what happened is when they started doing that with cereals, people went wild. All of a sudden, the gold rush was on, so to say, that they just started making all these cereals, all kinds of cereals with lots of sugars. And people went crazy for it. And they started buying. Of course, now the food company's like, yes, we got a hit. And they started going for it. And now all of a sudden, you start to get all these foods with sugars. And it was in the 1940s, it was around 1949, that a gentleman named Charles Mortimer, he coined the phrase convenience foods. There wasn't a thing called convenience foods up till then. Nobody ever heard of convenience foods. What is that? But all of a sudden, now there's what's called convenience foods. And yeah, can you believe that? I mean, today, you know, when we say something like, oh, convenience food, oh, fast food, drive through, all that kind of stuff, that's just part of life. But until the 1940s and 1950s, that didn't exist. Now, that was a little while ago, you might say, but still, this is the slight edge of nutrition that's brought us to where we are now. 
Same thing with uh, fast foods. McDonald's was started in 1948. That's in the U.S. Taco Bell, 1954. Burger King, 1959. Domino's Pizza, 1967. Kentucky Fried Chicken, 1952. And then again, all around the world here in New Zealand, where we currently live in the 1970s, all those foods started rolling in here. And that started the rush of the convenience foods, the fast foods, and we now know all about those and what's going on with those. And what's interesting is it just kept going. And then there was another shift. So in the 1980s, all of a sudden, maybe you know about this, or maybe you even still adhere to this, but the no fat frenzy came on. There was misinformation that came out. We now know it was misinformation. It's been refuted and researched. And we now know from a nutritional standpoint, it was a very poor research that fat was causing every people to die. Fat was causing heart attacks. Fat was causing all kinds of chronic disease. So all of a sudden in the 1980s, everything was low fat. I remember myself having low fat yogurt and low fat milk and low fat this. Everything was low fat on it. And you went to buy something in a store. You always look for the low fat or no fat product. Except what the food companies discovered was that the low fat stuff didn't taste good. Because you took out some really good flavor that the fat brings in and, and the creaminess and the flavor. Well, now what do we do? Well, guess what they did? They added sugar and salt. Now, we need a little bit of good sodium for our day, but we don't need as much as being put into these foods. And of course, more sugar is put in. So now all of a sudden, oh, wait, this low fat tastes really good. It's nice and sweet and salty. They know how to get to our taste buds. Are you afraid of having Alzheimer's? Well, you don't have to anymore. You see, the most up-to-date medical research now shows us having Alzheimer's is an option. Yes, you heard me right. Having Alzheimer's is an option. You can learn how by having your very own personalized pre-code report. Now, you're probably asking me, what is a pre-code report? Great question. Pre-code stands for preventing cognitive decline. And the pre-code report shows you what unique areas you can start working on right away. All of this has been made available by my genius mentor and medical doctor, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who has been researching this for 30 plus years and wrote the best book ever called The End of Alzheimer's. Having Alzheimer's is now an option. There is hope. For more information on how to get your pre-code underway, look for the link in the show notes. Now, back to the podcast. Do you know that the food companies had scientists and specific research labs to figure out our taste buds and, and things that are like chips, like how we react to the sound of a crisp of chips and how we react to the smell, the taste, the sight, the seeing of all these things. Why do you think it's so hard to eat one chip, one cookie? Because they figured out how to excite our senses to the brain. We go, oh, nah, just one more. I got to have another. And yeah, so I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one out there. 
Now, some other interesting facts and things that have happened. I find this really interesting that before World War II, which was in the 1940s, there was, let me check my notes, there was about 20% of women in the workforce, 20% before World War II. Now, during World War II, most of the men were going overseas to battle, and the women needed to work in the factories because somebody needed to work in the factories to make the war machine products. Well, what happened is coming out of that after World War II, there was about 38 to 40 percent of women that were out in the workforce. So 20 percent before World War II, 38 to 40 percent after World War II were in the workforce. So now you're starting to see in the late 1940s, this shift into both parents outworking. Well, you didn't see that before then. Now, what does that start to say? Oh, well, we need to start boxing up some foods and making some pre-made things and some canned and some things that, you know, when mom and dad get home for work or whoever's making the meal, they can very instantly just put it together because we've pre-made it all for them. That started in the 1940s, 1950s. Currently around the world, uh, about 70% of women are in the workforce. That's not a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a change in society, which has made the convenience foods and the fast foods attractive. These food companies have jumped on this. And from a marketing point of view, from a profitability point of view, that's smart. We've been tricked. We've been given what we want, really, but it has not served us well because it's taken us down a very, very slippery slope as far as our health goes. One more area I just want to talk about is drinks. I don't mean alcoholic. I just mean regular drinks that we drink. Norm, we should be having water all day long. But what's interesting is, again, back to World War II, Coke, Coca-Cola, offered all the service people, and that's, you know, the people who are fighting in, you know, the war, World War II it was, you know, millions and millions and millions of soldiers from all the different sides. Coke offered their product for five cents, just five cents for a Coke. Well, coming out of World War II, there was millions of service people that were hooked on Coke because they drank it all the time, loved it. Caffeine, sugar, it's got you. And that exploded that whole soda pop, soda industry around the world back in the 1940s. And again, now we see it everywhere on the world. I mean, every spot of the world has got Coke, Pepsi, Fanta, all these different soda pops, every place, even in like third world countries where you would think, well, they, you know, they struggle with water. Well, yeah, you can definitely find a soda pop somewhere at somebody's place where, you know, it's, it's there. And why? Because once you got a taste of it and once you get hooked at it, especially at a young age, it's really, really difficult to get it out of your diet. You can, you can. We've helped people do that, to give it up and say, nope, I don't want that anymore. But it's not easy. I understand that. It becomes an addiction. Food can become an addiction, whereas unhealthy food can become an addiction. And we need to understand that. And, and this is why I also say it's not your fault, because 
over the last 150 years, the shift that we've seen has really taken us down this slippery slope of poor nutrition. And as far as drinking wise, then over the last 25 years, what's exploded is energy drinks and colored waters. I mean, come on, really? We need to think about this, you know, Gatorades, Powerades. I mean, they're purple and blue and green and yellow and red. Do we understand that that is food dyes? These food dyes, you can look them all up. And my gosh, the problems that they cause. It is unbelievable. And we just need water. Now, sometimes, yes, we need the extra electrolytes. And there's some ways we can do that. We could even just put some pinches of Himalayan salt in there. A few other things to get us your electrolytes. But not if you are just having an everyday hanging out type of day where you're sitting there in the office drinking these drinks with all this extra stuff in it that's added. I mean, it's being marketed to you basically by athletes and, you know, famous people, I guess you would say, and movie stars and all kinds of, but understand that those athletes are pumping out the energy and, and looking to replenish. Now they don't need it either. I'm sad to say how many, you know, there's certain athletes. I just love them around the world. I endure them. I, I like what they do. I like them as human beings. And then I see them advertising this stuff and I say, ah, oh, okay, probably not good. And energy drinks, the Red Bulls and all that stuff that's out there. I mean, there's shelves and shelves and shelves of them out there. And what scares me is the amount of youth that's drinking this stuff and getting hooked to it. My beautiful doctor, Isabel, from being an MD for the last 35 years, she's seen somewhere around 500 to 700,000 people one-on-one. -on -one. So this isn't just somebody that's only seen a few people. She had never seen type 2 diabetes in teenagers before until like the last 10 years. And now she's seeing type 2 diabetics as teenagers. I mean, this stuff is crazy. She's seeing depression so much. We're seeing all these mental illnesses with 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds. We're seeing obesity at 6, at 8, and 10, moving into diabetes. It is so scary. And I guess the thing is, I can see where it's coming from because it's being marketed to you. It's being marketed to them. It's in front of them. They want to look like the wonderful people they see on social media and commercials and that. It tastes good. It looks cool. You know, only the cool kids are having it. Who would drink water? Those types of things. So I wanted to get a, a little history on how we've gotten to this state that we're so messed up. But really, it's been a slight edge of just... Going down the healthcare slope over the last 150 years, and actually over the last 25 years, it's really, really picked up pace because of what they're offering. And we all seem to say we're living this busy, busy, busy life. So the food companies have done an amazing job for themselves by giving us what we want: quick food, fast food, convenience food, box food open the can, open the sachet, boil it up, microwave it up, heat it up quick, you know, all those types of things. So I hope 
today, my goal is to help you to understand that we've gotten here, not just in a week, in a month, in a couple of years, and not even in 25 years, but we've gotten here in about 100, and, well, actually about 120 years, how this has happened. And it's really just picked up pace, it's picked up pace. Yes, there is something you can do about it. Yes, you can make a decision at any time you want to say, okay, there's a lot of unhealthy habits that I got going on here from a lifestyle point of view. I know they're not good at me for me, but I'm I kind of hooked on them and I enjoy them and I love them. Just know that they have scientists in these food and drink companies working to make sure that you stay hooked. That's the bottom line. They are working to make sure from a research and scientific point of view that their products keep you hooked because that's what they're in business for. But you can break that cycle. I know you can. I had my own food addictions and not really from a drink point of view, but definitely from foods that you know I needed to break. Total transparency, mine was potato chips. Loved potato chips, grew up on potato chips in my part of Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania Dutch country, which I grew up in. Big cans of giant chips. If you recognize this from what part of the world in called Goods Potato Chips, big red cans. These were huge. I mean, I can't even explain to you how huge these things were. We had them in every meal. Potato chips, potato chips, amazing, beautiful and, you know, for those who don't you know, know what kind of chips I'm talking about, I'm talking about the crispy chips, not like French fried chips, but beautiful potato chips. And it wasn't until about maybe five, six years ago that I just stopped having them. I haven't had one. I might have had maybe about one time I might have been somewhere at a party or something where I had a couple potato chips in the last five years. But that's it. I mean. I used to, when we would go away and maybe go on holiday for a little bit, my big thing is I got to have potato chips. I would buy three or four styles of potato chips and have like a potato chip tasting because, well, I'm on holiday. And I felt horrible for like a week because it would just blow me up and flame me, throw my whole nutritional patterns off and my mind off. So, you can break them. It took me <laughs> pretty much into my 50s of my life to break some of mine, but they can be broken. It's just a making a decision to say, no, I know you got me tricked. I know you got me hooked, but I want to get away from this. So I want to leave that with you today. Just understand it's not your fault. They've made sure that you're sucked into their products. You can make a difference. You can change that. And at any time, if you want to reach out to us here at Doctor on a Mission, myself or Dr. Isabel, we can help you through that process. That's part of what we do because we know that we can do it. You can do it. And if you want to live to many, many years, young and healthy, whatever it is for you, and not just kind of maybe just be here, but the quality of life is very poor. Well, if that's not for you, let us know. Reach out. We'd love to help you. We're here for you. That's Chef Michael here today. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much. I love you. God bless you. Have an amazing day wherever you are. And just know you can break those unhealthy habits. Bye for now. Hello, Chef Michael here. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review.